0: Today's episode of Locked on Bulls is brought to you by CBDMD. Getting a good night's sleep can be much easier said than done, but don't worry because our good friends at CBDMD have exactly what you need to get the sleep you deserve. CBD PM blends melatonin and other sleep-promoting ingredients with 500 milligrams of high-quality CBD to create a powerful and effective sleep aid. And to make it even easier to get the year started off right, they're offering all of our listeners 25% off your next order when you use the promo code NBA check. Check out. Once again, that's CBDMD.com. Promo code NBA for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD products from CBDMD.
1: Locked on Bulls, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. White, going the jab steps,
2: comes up shooting top three, bam, put him in the Hall of Fame.
1: Your number one source for Chicago Bulls news and stories. one more,
0: more y'all want me to prove, man? him with the runaway.
1: Host Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Jordan Malley. Jordan, great to see you. Through our 670 Wait, you see him? score scope, yep. Where is he? And it's right over there, Bill. Joining me now, Matt Peck. Locked On Bulls podcast, producing podcasts left and right, even in the offseason. On Twitter, at Lockdown Bulls, at Jordan C. Malley, and at Bulls underscore Peck. I don't have Twitter. I don't do anything like that. And I love what you guys do with the show. I listen to every episode. You guys are one of the best podcasts, period. Y'all keep and what you do best I love you guys. So kick back, relax, and get ready for the best hour of your day. It's, it's, it's raw. You can just see the vibe. Locked on Bulls starts now. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. Okay, cool. I was hoping it wasn't one of those nothing programs.
0: What's up and welcome into Locked on Bulls, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jordan Malley, along with me is Matt Peck. Follow us on Twitter at JordanCMalley, at Bulls underscore Peck. That locked on bulls. Hit us up on our text and voicemail line, 331 979 1369. Drop your text, your voicemails, anything you got for us at 331 979 1369. We made it to Friday, which means we didn't do mailbag this week, so I am glad that we are doing mailbag today on Friday. Looking forward to all of your questions, your texts, your voicemails, your tweets. Going to get into some voicemails here, and it should be pretty loaded over the next handful of weeks Matt as we lead up to the trade deadline before we get into all of that first and foremost how you doing man
2: Jordan what's going on buddy what's up Bulls Nation looking forward to uh, another back-to-back weekend the Bulls have been playing a lot of those uh, you know Friday Saturdays this season and uh, you know two, two good tests on deck especially the East leading Philadelphia 76ers tonight I mean that Joel Embiid making a case for MVP this season certainly in the discussion, probably top three in that discussion. One of the few people in the NBA who's actually averaging more points per game than Zach Levine right now. Zach's at 28.5 after their win Wednesday and I believe, at 29.2 points per game to go along with his 10 plus boards. Just incredible stuff from Embiid so far this season.
0: The Bulls didn't have a nationally televised game last year, did they? Or am I am I missing a game? Nope. Because we sucked.
2: I think they had a couple on NBA TV. So if you want to count those as naturally televised, then yes. But none on ESPN, ABC, or TNT.
0: Yes. I remember the NBA TV ones. I think one was against the Lakers when they were on like a January-ish road trip. Um, but yeah, they haven't had anything on TNT, ESPN. So this is this is a prime opportunity for the Bulls to take advantage of this. And again, man, it's going to be the Zach Levine show. You know as well as anybody, he is going to make the very most of this appearance on national TV and make sure everybody who's been been talking crap about Zach Levine or doesn't think he's he's a star caliber player will get to see it first and foremost tonight. And uh, it's a pretty good test for this for this Bulls team against the 76ers team who who's been absolutely dominant this year.
2: Yeah. And we'll see the bulls might uh, catch a break and uh, be, you know, going up against uh yes. Joel Embiid led Sixers team, but they might be without Simmons. He missed their game on Wednesday with, uh, with a stomach bug. So uh, I haven't seen anything uh, conclusively yet uh, as to whether or not he'll be available. Uh, for, for tip off, but obviously if Simmons is sitting, then then this becomes uh, a much more winnable game for the Bulls.
0: Do you remember the last time the Bulls played the 76ers on national TV? Um, what, Wasn't it like opening night last season? I take that back because the Bulls have played two games on national TV against the 76ers, uh, but this is the, during the rebuild. Uh, the one where Zach hit that clutch layup that we play even in the intro um, where he's taking the out-of-bounds play and he lays it in with the left hand, that's when Butler was still on the team, and they had their round two Butler versus Zach Levine. Zach Levine's come out on top on both of those, but regardless, the one that I'm thinking of gave us this beautiful, beautiful little soundbite.
2: You ain't no Michael Jordan
0: remember that
2: <laughs> yeah that, that so that was opening night two years ago right
0: dude that was that was opening night three 2018. years 2018 yes so that was yeah. uh that was yeah cristiano felicio getting off the bus and uh a guy heckling him as they were getting off the bus so uh with that let's get to the text and voicemail i'm guessing
2: line. that that shirtless dude in philly still does not have the 32 million dollars that felicio has you ain't no michael george
0: I would I would guess you're right uh, let's get to our voicemails because we're loaded here we're trying to get through as many as we can uh, take your voicemails your text if you want to drop us a line we're open 24 hours a day 7 days a week 365 days a year so drop us a text a voicemail anything you got for us 331-979-1369 let's hit our first voicemail this comes from New Jersey what's
3: up guys it's Andreas New Jersey Last night was a good win against the Pacers, but I'm going to say what's on every guy, what's on every Bulls fan's mind. I mean, I know Pat Williams is young and all, but every time this kid touches the ball, there's like a 50% chance he's going to turn it over. He's going to dribble off his foot. He's going to throw it. He's going to lose it. Like, I like the kid and all, but like even when he does turn it over, you see, I don't know if it's a good thing, but you see zero frustration. It's like, okay, I turned the ball over and then just jogs back. But, I mean, that can be a good and bad thing. But last night, every time he touched the ball, he turned it over. Honestly, honestly, there's just how many turnovers. The like guy per per possession. But anyway, that's my thought. I, I still like Patrick Williams, but uh, go Bulls
0: our caller does have a point, Matt. I don't know if I'd have to go look and, like, check at the rookie leaderboard and seeing if he's one of the top turnover leaders among rookies, but I do know what he's saying. Like, he has these unfortunate events where he almost is, like, thinking two or three steps ahead and he he dribbles it off his foot or somebody pokes it away from him. Totally get what he's saying, too, and I think that's just going to grow with confidence, but it is nice to see Patrick Williams, you know, nothing seems to shake Patrick Williams, man. I mean, the guy could get hit across the face in-game and it doesn't seem like it would face him at all, so that's a good trait to have as a 19-year-old rookie in this league, but yeah, the turnovers have not been uh, not been particularly great for Patrick Williams this year, but he's not a true, he's not like a dominant ball handler. People have kind of realized that, too, is for his size, his length, and the position he plays, I mean, he's not a point guard, so his ball handling skills aren't going to be like that, and uh, I've liked what I've seen so far from him. I don't know, have you noticed the turnover problem being a huge factor for Pwo No. No, what is this caller talking about?
2: Like, yeah, okay. He's a rookie who occasionally will turn the ball over. He's averaging one and a half turnovers per game as a 19-year-old rookie in 28 minutes per game. As you mentioned, not a, a whole lot of ball handling for him. So obviously turnovers for people like Zach Levine and Kobe White are going to be higher. But you know who else doesn't handle the ball all that much whose turnover problems have been way worse than Patrick Williams this season? Uh Wendell Carter Jr., Daniel Gafford, Denzel loves turning the ball over. Like, this <laughs> is the most ridiculous nitpick to me. Like, are you kidding me? And the thing about him not showing visible frustration when he does turn the ball over, that is a good thing. The caller said, It could be a good thing, good, could be a bad thing. It is a good thing. No question there. Because That has been a problem for some of the other young bulls in this rebuild gone nowhere so far is when they make a mistake, they get down on themselves and those mistakes start compounding and mistakes lead to more mistakes because they're in their head. When Dell does it, Kobe is guilty of it. Lowry is guilty of it. I, 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 I'm like when, when you're looking at things to, to critique, for the Bulls this season, players to be worried about elements of certain players, games to be worried about Patrick Williams turnovers is not even it's not at the bottom of my list. It's not on my list. Do we understand and appreciate just how good this kid is at 19? <sighs> Mike, I I, am I am baffled. I am honestly no offense to that caller, I am baffled that that's something that they're spending time worrying about right now.
0: I'm actually a little bit surprised just looking at the the rankings among rookies and like turnovers this year. Yeah, Paywal is actually somewhat up there, man. I think he's in the top fifteen. I don't have this organized to the top 15, to organize it between highest and lowest, but just from taking a look right now, so Patrick Williams has thirty nine turnovers this year uh, in nineteen no in twenty six games. 39 turnovers. Here's a couple of players that have more turnovers than Patrick Williams this year uh, among the rookie class. Theo Maladon of OKC. Tyrese Halliburton, he's got 41. And your leader right now, which is this, shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. But your leader in turnovers among rookies right now is Lamelo Ball, but his assist to turnover ratio is absolutely insane. It's like three to one, so you can bear the seventy-five turnovers that he's had. But yeah, it's up there and maybe a little bit more noticeable than than normal. But I don't know. It's something I wouldn't be very very concerned about. No, he's nineteen moving on. <laughs> let's uh let's hit up the next voicemail here. Uh again 331-979-1369. Again, hey, thanks for checking in with us. And Andreas from New Jersey continue to call. Um this one is from the 949.
3: Jordan Matt Steven here. All right. So, here's my my problem with some of the games that have recently been played and it's getting ridiculous, the officiating in the league right now. I'm, I'm a little behind in my Bulls games right now, but I right now I'm watching the uh, overtime win against the Pacers, and I just recently saw a foul called on Thaddeus Young. It was in the first quarter where Thad wasn't even near him. They showed the replay, and they still called him as contact. I think it was on DeMontis Sabonis, but that wasn't even near him, and the officiating is getting ridiculous, not, a, not just against the Bulls, but across the league. So what – you two are the only ones that can change my mind on this, is that the, the NFL has instant replay as far as the officiating goes. The baseball leagues have instant replay. Why in the hell can't the NBA – that's, that's all I'm saying is, is review the fouls, have the, co- have the coaches challenge it. Instead of these bullshit last-two-minute reports that, where the league goes, oh, sorry, yeah, we missed that call. But it doesn't change the outlook of the game. It doesn't change anything as far as holding the refs accountable. It's getting ridiculous. Something has got to happen. Guys, we need instant replay, coaches' challenges. You know, take a timeout if the coaches lose, whatever the case is. But something has got to happen because this is getting ridiculous. All right. Let me hear what you guys' thoughts are. All right, I uh, appreciate your work and go Bulls.
0: I mean, the Bulls have fallen victim to this man way too many times in the rebuild. And again, I think a lot of it comes from if you're a shitty team, you're not going to get calls. If you're not a if you're not a star player in this league, you're not going to get p- calls. And even if you are a star player, but you're on a losing team, you're probably not going to get calls. Just ask Zach, Zach Levine over the last three years. I I don't know if I would go as far as like incorporating more replays, Matt, or or coaches' challenges, I think that just slows the game down, and to be honest with you, this year, those coaches' challenges late in the fourth quarters, last two minutes, last four minutes of games, have really hurt the Bulls. It's actually negatively affected the Bulls when they've gone on runs to bring bring games back, or it's stoppage of play when the Bulls have held a lead. Any of these combinations have gone negatively affected for the Bulls, so I'm... I see what he's saying, but... I don't know about incorporating more replay, more coaches challenges. I'm not a fan of that.
2: Yeah, I'm not either. Um, But, you know, I I think, um, you know, Steven's right to point out some of the comparisons with the NFL and major league baseball compared to the NBA. But those two sports are slow. NFL games take forever. Major league baseball games take forever. MLB has tried to make some new rule changes recent years. It has, you know, number of mound visits, et cetera, et cetera, to try to compensate for the fact that now it's like, you know, the, the umps going to the headset to go to, you know, MLB headquarters to get an official ruling on, is this base runner safe or out? Was that a strike or not? Et cetera, et cetera. It takes forever. And the amount of reviews in the NFL slow the game down, and the NBA, one of the things it has going for it is the excitement and the pace of play, and that it's a lot of action, and it, you know, two hours, sometimes the the final few minutes of the fourth quarter with back and forth timeouts or whatever takes a little bit longer, but it is a faster and more entertaining game and more exciting game than football and baseball. You cannot debate that. If you want to debate that, good luck. As far as the officials reviews and the coaches challenges I think of the Saints Rams NFC title game from a couple years ago right where there was that situation where the Saints got hosed on a, a missed and blatant defensive pass interference on the Rams Saints lose the game they lose their ticket to the Super Bowl the next season the NFL goes okay that was a big oopsie we're now going to let coaches challenged the lack of a pass interference flag and what happened in all of the coaches challenges on a lack of DPI they changed the call like twice three times over the course of however many games over a 17-week NFL season because they wanted to the league wanted to back the refs being good at their jobs and it got way over complicated and it didn't change anything. So as of right now in the NBA, a coach can challenge whether or not a foul was actually a foul to prevent a player from getting in foul trouble, to prevent their opponent from getting two free throws, etc. But the opposite is not existent right now. You can't challenge the lack of a foul. So do you want to add that? Do you think that the NBA... Would be any better or any different than the NFL when they tried to add that for a season and basically took every coach's challenge on the lack of a flag and said, yeah, no, we're sticking with the same call. Or would it just mud- muddy up the game and slow down the game? And the NFL or the NBA officials, much like NFL officials, can't go to the replay on of their own accord without a coach's challenge. With the NBA, it's you know uh, we want to take a look to see did that shot get up before the shot clock or before the end of the quarter clock or jump ball et cetera et cetera. So, do you want to add another element to that where the refs second guess themselves after a play has you know concluded? We want to go back and and decide if we did miss a foul call there, and then rewind everything and go back to when that foul occurred. Do you see how complicated it gets?
0: And, like you were saying, I completely
2: agree with the frustration that Zach is not getting the respect that he should from NBA officials right now. But adding to the complication of challenges from coaches and official reviews, I don't think that's the answer because it hasn't been the answer successfully for other sports.
0: The bigger issue I, I have with, and it seems like the, the foul call he's talking about is early on in games, too. So it's not only just slowing down games early on. We've already seen it a ton in the fourth quarters in the last two minutes. How many times do they stop it? I am with him, though, on the the, the league's last two-minute report. That's a joke. It's the last two-minute lies. I mean, look at the jump ball against the Trailblazers where they still said that was the correct call. I... I don't know, I guess I would have to be in front of an actual official who's been in the NBA for 25 years and could recite the handbook back to front for me without even looking at it. That's the type of person I need to talk to about this and ask them, like, how the hell do you guys come to the conclusion that that's a jump ball? Because it wasn't. That's more of an example that I go, that's just egregious, like... I- I want an explanation of why that is and stopping games and slowing them down, especially late in games can have a huge effect on these guys. But I am with you like Wendell was 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 a prime candidate of this in his first two seasons is just these unnecessary foul calls being called on Wendell the first two years. And I think that was a contributor to his up and down first two seasons is trying to Fight his way, not only being the only defender on the floor at times, but also having to play with two, three, four fouls in the first half most nights. So it's frustrating, man. I get it. And the refs are trying to do their best job. I, I promise you, they're not trying to get calls wrong. Everybody's watching them on national TV. This is what they get paid to do. Um, I-, I I hear your frustration.
2: Yeah. I mean, I don't think anybody among the Bulls fan base would disagree that Zach is not getting the level of respect he deserves. Um, you know, even Wednesday night against the Pistons, you saw it even more. And you saw him once again, expressing that frustration with the refs even more where he's driving and he's creating contact and he's finishing through contact and he should be getting and ones and he's not. It's nonsense. Um, hopefully Zach gets his well-deserved all-star nod this season. And next season and maybe even at the back end of this season after he's officially been named an all-star he will start to get the respect of a player who's averaging damn near 30 points a game
0: you're gonna start to get all the 90s bulls fans out here to or 90s nba fans in general saying yeah this is why they shouldn't get and they get ticky tacky with these fouls. just let these guys play let them be physical and i think to some games the bulls and I, I mean even that pistons game man they were super physical and they were letting the guys play for the most part too so I mean, don't hate the player, hate the game, and I have to say that to myself, even when I talk about Trey Young getting the amount of free throws per game that he gets. He's just playing the game, though, man. He's doing it because that's the way the refs are calling it, so maybe some of these guys are going to have to adjust if, like, Zach wants to go to the free throw line more, or if you want to avoid being in foul trouble, just have to understand and study what's being called, because it seems like it is changing quite rapidly how the game is being called, how it's being officiated, what's being a foul, and, and what's not, so... Uh, I don't know I would say don't get that upset about it don't get that upset about it it's it's worthy to be upset if it costs you a game like it did against the trailblazers but any other time I would just take a deep breath and say that's part of being a mediocre teams you're not going to get the benefit of the doubt
2: yeah not not until you win man that's true.
0: All right, before we get into some of your text messages, your emails, and your tweets from this week, I want to tell you guys about BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline is you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website and use your mobile device to sign up today and receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts.
2: Today's episode of Locked Up Bowls is also brought to you by Built Bar, the new and improved Built Bar, even deliciouser than ever. Jordan, I think I mentioned that I recently started exercising again for the first time in a long time. It sucks. Uh, but I know it's good for me. And I have re- really been enjoying the Built Bar as the little snack reward at the end of each of my workouts. And they keep coming out with new and amazing flavors, man. The newest one that all of our listeners need to get on right now is the Coconut Puff Built Bar that has luscious chocolate and get this soft marshmallow in the Built Bar made with premium collagen protein blend. The Coconut Puff Built Bar. Has 16 full grams of protein, but only 130 calories, only six grams of sugar. It's gluten free, it's preservative free, and it is a limited time flavor offered one day sale today, Friday, right now. Order now, builtbar.com. That's right. If you go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on, you'll get 20% off your next order. Promo code locked on for twenty percent off at builtbar.com. Be sure to check out that coconut puff bar available one day sale today
0: only. Quickly before we go to another text, I haven't even asked you. Uh did you see Jimmy Butler and Dwayne Wade on TNT the other night? No, I missed it. So they were doing an interview together. Dwayne Wade's been filling in uh, in spots here and there, doing some of the nights of the games, and it just right. so happened that Jimmy Butler popped in for a surprise inter- one-on-one interview. I didn't listen to the whole thing, but uh, they both of those guys were all smiles. Uh, it's a far, it's far from where they were. What three and a half, four years ago, uh, when in February you had Paul Zipser taking final shots and. Uh, the it, Bulls fans know the rest, but yeah, I was curious if you had seen Dwayne Wade doing TNT games or if you had saw that interview.
2: Yeah. I, I know that, that Wade's been doing some of those TNT broadcasts recently. And yeah, I think he's, you know, even for a Wade Bulls hater like myself, I think he's pretty good. Um, Of course he and Jimmy are still thick as thieves. You know, Jimmy came and became the star to take over and take Wade's place in Miami. Uh, although, Man, that team is. Everybody ha- kind of assumed that Miami would get over the the rough, you know, start. Um, they they had certainly some hurdles and some complications. They had players miss time. Jimmy missed a good amount of time. But th- th- you know that 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 team looks like they got some issues, man. You know, all of their young stars that were playing like incredible young stars in the bubble: Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, Kendrick Nunn, all those guys. They're struggling right now. Um, so. You know, good good for Jimmy and Wade for yucking it up, but I, I got to imagine Jimmy's actually pretty frustrated right now.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I mean, that team has been plagued by COVID protocols and guys having to quarantine and sit out. It seems like that team hasn't been healthy the entire year. But I think there is something to be said about the bubble heat versus what we're actually seeing from this team this year. Two different teams. And I again, I think that bubble heat team was a very, very special team. I don't think they're nearly as good this year. But Jimmy Butler has been fantastic again since coming back from COVID protocol. So good for him. He's been a triple double triple double machine
2: really has. All right, Jordan, uh, let's hit up some text messages. This one comes to us from the 808. This is a really interesting question, and it's actually something that I've been thinking a lot about recently. I'm curious to hear what you think. Uh, The 808 says, hey, Matt and Jordan, this season's all about finding the true identity of the players on this team. Is Kobe a true point guard? Is Zach a star we can build around? Can Lowry stay consistent? One question I want to be addressed is if Wendell is a true center. At 6'9", he's an undersized player playing the center position. He struggles playing bigger guys like Embiid, uh, which, by the way, preview, (laughs) we'll see that later tonight. Uh, This is why Wendell needs a chance to play the power forward position, especially now that Lowry is out for a significant amount of time. Opposing teams have identified one of the team's defensive weaknesses by attacking Lowry. I'd like to see how much the team's defense improves by having Wendell at the power forward position and Gafford or Young at center. If Wendell's offense can open up as a power forward while still being a defensive anchor along with Gafford, then in my opinion, that would make it easier to move on from Lowry. Can't wait to hear your response. Uh, A a well thought out uh, sequence of if this, then that when it comes to Wendell and playing the four or the five, Jordan, what do you think?
0: So we know he can, he can defend. We know he can rebound He's got to pick a path now, man. There's two paths to Wendell being a successful center in the NBA long term for the Bulls. He's either got to be able to consistently score at a high clip, like talking about 18 to 22 points a night, the way that DeAndre Ayton's dominating some of the other bigs. He's got to be able to dominate, whether it be in the paint or figure out his shooting. Otherwise, man, he's got to learn how to be a a, a high level passer. Look at all the look at all the big men in this league that are just racking up assists between Jokic and Bam Adebayo and even Draymond Green. Look at that Golden State Warriors team and how, how that team has shifted over the last couple of weeks. Not to mention Steph going crazy but still Draymond Green has been a big part of that. What is he doing? He's rebounding and he's passing and he's running the offense. So if Wendell can do one of those two things at a very very high level, 100% I think he can still be a center in this league. The dude's got a 7'5 wingspan he might be a little bit undersized he's got a five wingspan he's not scared anybody so that's the thing is we need Wendell to pick a lane either you're a scorer or you're going to be a facilitator and you're going to be a passer I want to see him to pick pick a lane or maybe be able to do both
2: yeah I mean obviously this is um something that the the Bulls front office needs to figure out and what I have liked about Billy Donovan this season is that he has been willing to try everything when it comes to lineups, when it comes to rotations, when it comes to who's playing what position, um, he like we've seen a, a lot of different stuff, and I think that that's mostly uh, as our texture pointed out what this season is about is finding out what these players can be and what they can't be, and who plays well together and who doesn't. So we have seen some Wendell at the four, and like our texture said, especially when Lowry's on the shelf, it gives you the opportunity to explore that further. But here's my issue. Right now, the Bulls don't really have, other than maybe Thad Young, who has played plenty of small ball five himself this season and done it fairly well, a good option when it comes to playing Wendell at the four instead of the five. Look, Gafford, man, we all saw how much he struggled in Wendell's absence when he was being asked to start. Gafford knocked down like, you know, a 12 footer maybe a 14-footer at one point in one of those games when he was starting, but other than that, has shown no ability or intent to expand the range of his offense. Wendell Carter Jr., preseason games, training camp, launch away from downtown, buddy. Green light from Donovan. First few games of the season, had that green light. Didn't go well. Haven't seen Wendell launch a three in quite some time. My issue with Wendell at the four then becomes about spacing. And we saw it again in these couple of games against the the Pacers and the Pistons, when, you know, maybe Donovan's trying to let him, you know, breathe in the game a little bit, watch a little bit, learn a little bit, and maybe he's also trying to, um, as Donovan said himself, pull some of our opponent's bigs out away from the basket by putting Cornette in the rotation ahead of, of Gafford, because theoretically Cornette is a floor spacing threat. Well, Cornet has been chucking up bricks and, bricks and bricks and bricks and bricks and bricks in his you know limited <laughs> minutes in the rotation in these recent games. So when you when you saw Wendell and Cornet out there together, I was like, no, please God, no, time out, Ch- sub, do something. And it's this, and it would be the same with Wendell and Gafford. You cannot have Wendell and another big who can't shoot on the floor together at the same time in today's NBA. You just can't. So. I get that Wendell might feel at times more comfortable at the four. But until a different piece arrives to this roster that makes that more feasible, I am very hesitant to do that for extended minutes because we have seen what happens to Zach and to Kobe and to the ball handlers on this team last season and even at times this season when spacing is an issue and it doesn't go well.
0: I just want to say Luke Cornett stinks, man, and I don't really blame him because he hasn't had a whole lot of playing time. But he has been—he's looked bad. I mean, he's looked worse than Felicio at times, man. Like Felicio actually was was doing some stuff, and he's—he he had probably the highlight of actually it's probably a top three Felicio highlight that pass that he had—that unbelievable. I don't know where he learned that pass. I think about the posterizing dunk he had against. Uh, keem birch maybe two years ago in orlando where he posterized him um I don't know how I got here, but yeah, Luke Cornette. I don't want to see any more Luke Cornett. And maybe, I don't know, maybe they continue to just try things out and see how things develop. And maybe they go out and get another big to back up and supplement what their depth in the front court is. I think that's a possibility, too, if you're still talking about or thinking about trading guys like Otto, Chandler Hutchison, Denzel Valentine, even Thad and uh, Thomas Adoransky are going to get a lot of calls leading up to the deadline. So that could be something that maybe the Bulls are eyeing is maybe some help in the front court, some depth.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I certainly wouldn't be opposed to the front office exploring uh, those possibilities, to you know, because I I do think if if the Bulls decide that they want to keep Wendell instead of Lowry, um, and I do think that that decision is looming whether they keep one or the other. I think that the Lowry Wendell front court not happening. Um, uh, you know, you can't have two guys that are on the shelf with injuries that often be your starting front court. So if it is Wendell that they keep, I would be open to him getting minutes at the four as well as the five if they find the right complementary piece. And speaking of which, Jordan, let's move to another text message here real quick. The 312 said, hey, what's up, guys? If the Hawks are looking to move Collins, should the Bulls consider it? What pieces would we have to move to obtain him? I honestly think he would fit well in Donovan's system, pairing him and Wendell with Patrick Williams and Zach. Would be a nice fit. Thanks. Let me know what you think. Collins is a name that I've been thinking about more recently. Jordan, I, I really like John Collins. Uh, I think he still has a lot of very bright NBA uh, basketball in his future. There have been some rumblings that maybe the the Hawks aren't, uh, you know, dead set on keeping him around. What, what do you think about that?
0: If you're going to trade for Collins, then you're giving up Wendell or you're giving up Lowry, right? Because you can't keep both of those guys and then add Collins. Collins is going to start if he's going to be here. Um, I don't hate it, man. He's not as consistent of a three-point shooter as I thought he was going to be. He's very dominant around the basket, though. I mean, he's a scorer. He's, He's... He's not the type of player, though, I'm thinking of if I'm going to deal Lowry or Wendell or anybody else in our core. That doesn't upgrade us or get us any better than where we are right now. It kind of feels like, to me, it's kind of a parallel, it's a sidestepping move. Uh, but maybe you combine the package and you you try something bigger. Um I don't know. I don't hate it, but I just, I don't know. Nothing is really standing out to me about John Collins and why I would want him over still testing the market on Lowry or continue to watch Wendell develop. Why do you like him?
2: Well, here's a couple of reasons I like him. As we were just talking about the whole Wendell at the 4 thing, Collins can provide some floor spacing. He he is turning into a stretch big In his first two seasons, he averaged about 34.5% from downtown on somewhere around one and a half attempts per game. In the 1920 season and this season thus far, he's up to those attempts per game to three and a half, and he is shooting between last season and this season 41%. That's a legitimate floor spacing threat. Oh, and by the way, it's coming from a guy who... This season is averaging eighteen and seven. Last season twenty one and ten for his career, sixteen and eight. If either Wendell or Lowry were giving that those numbers to us consistently over the past couple of seasons and this
0: season, wouldn't we be thrilled? I guess you're right. I'm just thinking about Think about contract situation, too, because Collins could be a restricted free agent this summer, too. So what are you doing, like flipping Lowry and him and thinking that you're... Your odds in the team that you're building here is better fit for John Collins, and vice versa for Lowry. Maybe Lowry's get a fresh start. He can go play under the guy that I think he should try and fixate his game on, and that's Gallinari. He's in Atlanta. He would actually be like somebody like that, or Bogdanovich, would be more appealing to me. I would want another wing before adding a guy like John Collins, because then again, you're back in the contract situation. But do you, would you would you rather have John Collins long term, or would you rather have Lowry long term? Man.
2: It's hard to say. You know I have been a Lowry believer since his rookie year, but you also know that this season, missing time, it's getting harder and harder to defend this guy, even when he's shown some some brighter spots offensively this season. He's shown more aggressive uh, offense this season. I, I mean, right now, my gut is to say I'd rather have John Collins on a new contract than Lowry Markkinen, both restricted free agents at the end of their rookie deals. I like it it's like you know it's kind of overwhelming to admit to myself that that's how I feel right now, but that's how I feel right now.
0: Wh- wh- who would you rather have long term Lowry or John Collins? Assuming I'm paying both of them a relatively the same contract long term, I think I'm going to roll the dice on my own guy. I know what I've seen from John Collins had a great season to what a year ago, a year and a half ago before he got suspended. Um, he had a great season. He's still having a great season there. And maybe the project to work him and play a smaller center position would work and fit. I would just, to me, I'm thinking more is if if you're gonna go out and trade one of the core pieces like Lowry or Wendell, it's not to sidestep or to make a horizontal move and try to fix your your front court. I would want to go out and use one of those guys if you are trading them. Go out and get your playmaking point guard, man. That's uh, th- those are your two best pieces as far as trade chips that you're actually legitimately would legitimately have conversations about. I want them to go use those guys if you're going to deal them to go get your playmaking point guard instead of sidestepping with Collins because I think there's a lot more available in free agency in the Bulls if they stamp pad do nothing are going to have about $40 million to spend. So I think there's some guys that can fill the same roles that Collins has and you still got Thad Young too. Who's to say that Thad Young doesn't stick around as well. So I think the better route is to roll the dice on Lowry and keep him over trading for John Collins. But I don't hate it. I don't. I don't hate it.
2: Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's just uh, a name that I've been thinking about a lot recently. So I was uh, intrigued when I saw somebody mention that in our inbox, too. Because, you know, that we might not get a big move or moves at the deadline. We, we, you know, it's possible. Um, if we don't, I think that obviously those big decisions are looming in this upcoming offseason. And there isn't a bigger looming decision than what the hell do the Bulls do with one Lowry Markinen? And I think exploring all options right now um, is is the best way to go. And you think about how the restricted free agent market, uh, especially with you know these class of 2017 players that are going to hit for restricted free agency, those who didn't get their extensions, might actually be all of a sudden uh, a pretty competitive market because these 30 NBA teams are looking at the now dried up unrestricted free agent class that was anticipated for for all of these guys who are now recommitted to to various teams and saying, all right, well, we got cap space. We got money to spend. All these 2021 free agents that we thought were going to be here aren't. So we're going to go spend our money in another direction. And then players like Lowry and John Collins might end up having bidding wars on their hands.
0: Dude, their position has gotten paid so well, too. I mean, this offseason alone, his, his hurt the Bulls, or as far as their negotiating power, it's it's helped Lowry a ton. And same thing with even Collins, like you were talking about, and yeah, with all the stars coming off the board as well. You also have to two-factor in, like when you're talking about guys that are kind of tweeners between four and five. What are you doing with Patrick Williams long-term? Is he a three or a four long-term? Think about that as well and factor that in. Um, the let, let me ask you this before we get out of here for the weekend, because it was something that we talked about before we started the episode jokes aside being serious here at the end of the episode what do you think Denzel Valentine is worth if you were to deal him to a contender because believe me every contender is looking for shooting I don't care if he only plays 12 minutes a night Denzel has proven that he can shoot at a pretty decent clip he might get out of control sometimes but teams like a guy that his basketball IQ can pass, can do the things that Denzel does. And he can also knock down the three at a pretty high clip. I know there's a rumor out there about the Lakers potentially being interested in him, but let's just talk generally. What do you think you could get for Denzel and what kind of deal would make sense?
2: Here, give me, t- uh, give me talent, Horton Tucker for Denzel. And no I will be the shot happiest the Lakers man are doing
0: that. No give me shot. that.
2: I will be the happiest man on the planet.
0: <laughs> for our, I- for our texter last week, Denzel Valentine for Alex Caruso, straight up. There you go. You get to sh- take your shot on Alex Caruso for three months before he goes to free agency. Might be a buy low, uh, buy low addition for a guy that I don't think Denzel's coming back here. So
2: I mean, how perfect would it be? I I, I honestly don't. I'm not even in the mood to talk about. Oh, what the, what 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 might the Bulls ask for one Denzel Valentine? If a team really wants Denzel, they can go get him in the offseason. Unless they think he is the piece they absolutely need for their playoff run this season. You know, maybe the Bulls could get a second rounder for him. I don't know. I am more interested in thinking about the beautiful world in which, for whatever reason, Denzel Valentine ends up a Los Angeles Laker for the back half of the season. And we get a perfect melding of the LeBron to J.R. Smith in the NBA Finals what the hell are you doing meme and the Zach Levine to Denzel Valentine from just a couple of weeks ago as Denzel ran into Zach while he was trying to get up a last second shot what the hell are you doing meme and blend them and it becomes LeBron looking at and pointing at Denzel Valentine in an NBA Finals game saying what the hell are you doing give me that I don't ask for much for the love of God give me that
0: Teams are going to call. Teams are going to call about Denzel. He's cheap. He's only on for a year. And it teams with not a lot of cap space or don't have a lot of pieces to move. You can flip one for one, and maybe it's in the Bulls' benefit to be able to do that, especially if they're not chasing playoffs in a couple of weeks. Like legitimately, like you're not six through eight, and you don't want to keep the same pieces together. That makes the most sense, especially if you're not going to trade like pieces other pieces that we were talking about, like Thaddeus Younger, Thomas Sadaranski. You want to keep those guys around. I still think that they're going to get calls on Chandler Hutchinson. I still think that they're going to get a ton of calls on Otto, and I think they're going to get a ton of calls on Denzel. So, so uh, believe me, you make the jokes now, but there's going to be half a dozen teams calling on Denzel leading up to the trade deadline. I promise you that. Okay. We'll start the, we'll start the, we'll start the marker right now. The Lakers are number one on that list. Any other team rumored around, around Denzel, we are adding to that list till we get half a dozen.
2: Fair enough. And, and as a, a, a quick aside, final point, I'm not sure that Otto's nearly as desirable of a trade piece as he was a few months ago. I talked about that a little bit yesterday. The dude is 27 going on 57. And, you know, as I mentioned just a minute ago, that dried up free agent class of 21, teams clearing cap space, maybe not as uh, important of a thing on their to-do list as it usually is getting ready for the next uh, upcoming offseason. So that expiring 28 million, not as desirable as it once was, in my opinion.
0: It would, it would be more so auto being dealt to a team that's looking to get off of money this summer, right? We'd get either picks in return or something of value that makes sense for the Bulls long-term. That's why we were kind of like talking around... A potential Pelicans match there because there's some salaries that match up there and it would give them a chance to reset uh, So, but I, I guarantee you the Bulls are going to be active and they'll be making calls. Uh, the one thing we know about AK and Mark Eversley so far this this year and this era is that they keep everything very 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 close to the chest even with the Billy Donovan stuff they did the same thing so there's going to be rumors flying over the next few weeks and we're here for all of them and if you want to give your takes 331-979-1366 Nine. Your text, your voicemails will, if you want to fire up the trade machine this weekend, do that and send us your best trades, your most interesting trades, things that you think might happen leading up to the deadline. You want to ask a question or you just want to get a Bulls thought off, 331-979-1369, the place to do it. We're on Twitter, at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked on Bulls. For Matt Peck, I'm Jordan Malley, Bulls Nation. Have a wonderful weekend. Be back on Monday with a fresh episode. For Jordan and Matt, we are out.
1: Uses, Locked on Bulls, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com.
2: Thanks a lot.